Please don't mind my giant hydro flask right here. Uh, Pastor Eric said the reason why I have a giant hydro flask is because it's to hydrate my muscles, which I don't think is true. But um, anyways, yeah, as Pastor Eric was saying that I have been part of this church since 2016, I believe. And I've always had a heart for youth ministry. And I've been there. And so if you guys have uh, kids that attend our youth ministry and you follow our Instagram page, I am the face behind that Instagram page. And so if you have any uh, critiques or anything, uh, feel free to address them only to me. It's all just me. But I am so grateful and thankful that I could come up here and share with what the Lord has blessed me with and put on my heart these past couple of months. And so I'm going to read our passage for tonight, or for to not tonight, for this morning. And then I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll go straight into it. So if you guys have your Bibles, uh, feel free and um, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 11. If you don't have your uh, Bibles, there's uh, the verse on the jumbotron here. And so I'll read for us and I'll pray and then we'll begin. So this is what the word of the Lord says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if you are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. He also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessings granted us through the prayers of many. Let me pray. Uh, Father God, we give you thanks for just those that are present here this morning, God. We give you thanks for this room, God. And I ask that may your spirit just fill this room. May your spirit of conviction, of revealing, of praise and thanksgiving just be present here in this moment, God. I pray as I share, God, may it just only come from you. May you speak your words through my mouth, God. So, God, we give you thanks, and I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so as we read this passage, there is a word that tends to stick out that was constantly said over and over again, and that is the word comfort. And so I ask you guys, brothers and sisters, when you guys hear the word comfort, what is the first thing that appears in your mind? And so a couple weeks ago, I spoke at our youth ministry, and I asked them the same exact question, and I want to share some of the answers that they shared with me. One of the kids said their blanket. One of the kids said their bed. One of the kids said their grades. 
And then one of the kids said, their family? And I was like, oh, man, this kid's going to go somewhere. And then one of the kids said, food? And I said, oh, wow, this kid's going to go somewhere. <laughs> uh, fast forward to the rest of the night. Uh, the kids have been really into this game called Two Rooms and a Boom. Now, to squash any concerns parents may have that have kids that attend our youth, there is no booming going on at all. But rather, this game involves a lot of intuition, investigation, trust, but not only that, it involves deception. And so I'm not going to go into the nitty-gritty details of how the game works, but the game is revolved around a card, and you're separated into two teams. In two teams, you are separated into two different rooms where you receive a card that shows you what team you are on. Now, one of the objectives of this game is to find out which team you are on. But there are also some cards that prevent you from revealing the entirety of your card, or it allows you to show just a small portion of your card, but your card is power because that's proof what team you're on. So Pastor Eric's youngest daughter came up to me, uh, Katie, and she came up to me and said, Eric, what team are you on? And I looked down at my card, and it clearly says it says red team. And I told her, I'm on the red team. And she said, awesome, I'm on the red team too. And so I asked her, can you show your card? And she said, no, unfortunately, I have the card that prevents me from sharing my entire card. And then I said, well, I have the card that prevents me from showing the entire card, just a small portion of it. For you see, this is where the deception part comes in. That there is a spy on the card where you could play for the other team. And so as we can't reveal our cards at all, it's followed immediately with a distrust in one another. So Katie then proceeds and says, Eric, if you're not on the red team, because at the end of the game, it reveals which team you're on, she said, you have to give me $1,000. And I looked down on my card again, and clearly it says red team. And then I thought to myself, man, $1,000 is not that much. It's not enough to pay for rent, and nowadays gas as well. Maybe I should up the ante up to $1 million. And then right when I thought that moment, the spirit came and convicted me and said, you do know this million dollars is most likely going to come from Pastor Eric. You should show grace in regards to that. And I said, ah, yeah, you're right. All right, Katie, $1,000 is good enough. But my point of the story is not to show that I'm trying to scam a little girl out of money. But the fact that their idea of comfort differed from my idea of comfort. And as you guys thought about your idea of comfort, I'm pretty sure it differed from your idea of comfort as well. Maybe your guys' idea of comfort looks like you're at the beaches of Hawaii. Maybe it looks like you're sitting at home reading a book. Or maybe it looks like you won that mega million lottery, jack lottery that was at what, 1.2 billion? Uh, side note, that was my first time playing the lottery. I did not win, unfortunately. But my point of the story is that the youth kids' idea of comfort differed from my idea of comfort that differs from your idea of comfort. And in the same way, it's different from the comfort that Paul is talking about in this passage. In verse 3, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, 
Now, in order for us to really dissect what this word comfort is, we need to look at the original text, the Greek word, which is paraklesis. Now, the word paraklesis has a double meaning to it, and I'm going to address the first meaning of it, which is consolation. Now, usually when you're consoling someone, there has to be a soothing aspect that follows behind it, but prior to that, there has to be a hardship that you had to endure or some sort of disappointment prior to that. But for some reason, Paul starts off with this letter, and if you look at the other letters he wrote to the other churches, usually it's a portion of thanksgiving after he addresses who he is addressing to. But instead, Paul starts off with this benediction of comfort to the Corinthians. And the fact that he started off with this statement, and usually in our society, a statement is something that is true. For example, it is summer. I am the taller Eric. Um, I did not win the Mega Million <laughs> lottery. But a statement like this, it's usually a statement of truth. And so if Paul is starting off with this statement, then he must know that it is true, and there, he must have been consoled. Therefore, there must have been a hardship he had to endure to say the statement. Now jump down with me to verse 8 to 9. For it says this, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, what we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now, I don't know what Paul went through to the point where he despaired life itself, but the fact that he did not address it at all, and the fact that he said this statement, must mean that he has weathered that affliction and he was able to experience the comfort, the consolation that comes only from God. So growing up, um, growing up, my parents really reflected a lot about grades. And it was so intense to the point where I placed my identity and I placed my worth on grades. And to kind of give you an example of an extreme, if I got some math homework, and usually the teachers tended to assign the even side, uh, teachers, if you're here, I'm pretty sure you could agree with me. And then when I would finish my math homework, my mom would say, okay, now do the odds. Now when I finished the odds homework and she, after she checked it, she would say, okay, now do the next chapter. Furthermore, in my elementary school, I actually changed schools three different times because my parents desired for a higher education for me, for better teachers for me. And then when I went into middle school, I knew absolutely no one. Now, to, I know most of your guys' disbelief, I was never this tall, I was never this buff looking. But in middle school, I was a very short kid. I was very scrawny looking. I rocked glasses, I had a bowl cut. I had polo shirts because my parents would dress me up. And I literally embodied what it looked like how society would deem as a nerd. Now, the combined with the fact that I knew absolutely no one, and I sat by myself, I became the, I became the target of bullying. So three individuals, and for the majority of my seventh grade career, 
I was bullied. I, was, I had money taken from me. I had racial slurs thrown at me. And I remember at one point, one of the individuals choked me out, and I remember waking up from the ground with no one around. Combined with what I was dealing with at home in terms of grades, I realized my life was miserable. One night, me and my mom had a intense argument to the point where I don't even remember what we were arguing about. But she said, if you don't like it, then you could get out of my house. And so I said, okay. And at 11 PM, I went to my backyard. <clears throat> I grabbed the cylinder block. I grabbed some rope. And I carried it to the Don Kanabe Park, which is across the street over there. And I realized I did carry a cylinder block, so maybe I was buff back then. <clears throat> but I brought all these things with the intentions of drowning myself at the lake over there. And as I sat on that bench and I realized how miserable my life was, and I realized no one at school loved me. At home, I feel so unloved. So therefore, there must not be a God that loves me. And right as I was tying the rope around my ankle, as I started picking up the cylinder block, I heard a voice that said, wait. And I looked around. And of course, it's 11 PM. There's no one there. The park closes at 10 PM. The only conclusion that I could come to was that it had to be from God. And then the voice said, wait for I have something better in store for you. And at my moment, I was so miserable, I said, all right, God. And I know you're not supposed to make deals with God, but I said, I'll give you a day. Uh, verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. The next day, I met one of my really good friends to this day, and I actually saw him yesterday. His name was, coincidence, his name was Paul. And he invited me out to his youth group. And I told myself, okay, this must be from God. You know, this is a day later. Okay, I'll go. And I went, and I kid you not, never have I felt so loved before that my youth pastor in that moment experienced a joy of seeing me there. And in that moment, in the midst of my afflictions, I was able to experience the consoling, soothing comfort that comes from the Lord. And so that's my first point that I want to share with you guys. That the comfort that comes from God is soothing. Now going to our second part, of what Paraclesis is talking about. The word Paraclesis is actually used to describe the Holy Spirit. He is the Paraclete. And in John 14, 26, it says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The word Advocate here comes from a Latin word called confortis. Confortis meanings to make brave, to strengthen. And so, during this time, the church of Corinth was going through a very difficult time. 
And if you read 1 Corinthians, there's a lot going on in that passage. The church of Corinth was going through a lot of division amongst their church members. There was a lot of sexual immorality going on. There was a lot of idols going on as well. There was a lot of culture war going on as well. And even leaders struggled to gain power and influence in the church of Corinth. And so as you could see, when Paul was addressing them, he wanted to make sure that they were not only comforted, but strengthened. In verse 5 to 7, it says this, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Verse 7, it says, And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Paul expressed that he has experienced the comfort of God through times of affliction he experienced in his mission trip to Asia. And he encouraged the Corinthians in this moment that they too will weather their present difficulties and that they soon will find the soothing, strengthening comfort that comes only from the Lord. And so that's my second point is that the comfort that comes from God is strengthening. Now, I wish my seventh grade career, you know, my seventh grade whole spiel ended in that moment. But in fact, it got harder. For the past seven years, I suffered with a sin that pretty much dominated my entire life. And I actually did not get over it until the past couple months ago. And that is the sin of pride. As I was going through my college career, I actually had to stop due to family difficulties, due to personal reasons, and I had to go work. But because of society and how they deemed that your worth, and I stemmed that through grades when I was in seventh grade, I was ashamed that I did not finish college. And so for the past seven years, I lied about finishing my engineering degree. Even though these past seven years have been miserable and the spirit has been stirring in me so intensely, I struggled in silence for these past seven years. And as I started the beginning of this year, the Spirit stirred in me so intensely in the month of January that I could not sleep, that I could not think clearly to the point where it brought me to my breaking point. Side note, the other thing too is I was kind of dating someone in that moment too, and I did not want my relationship to be founded on a lie in a sense. So I started telling people that it affected in my life. Romans 5, 2 through 6, it says this. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, 
and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Because of my fear of shame, I downplayed the power of the cross in my life. I robbed myself of this comfort that God has given me, this comfort of strength that gives me endurance, that gives me character, that gives me hope. And in verse 7 from 2 Corinthians, a hope that is unshaken. Now during those moments before January, I wish I could have swept it under a rug and continued living my life. Especially with my job and my income, it was easy to reaffirm that maybe I did finish my college degree, and I was able to live a life as that swept under the rug without any concerns about it. I pleaded to the Spirit throughout those seven years that it would just disappear, that I could just work and I could just continue living. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, it says this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I realized I wasn't really living life that God had intended. I was just existing in this life. And as I start telling more and more people, and I start telling you guys today, I tell you, I am living, and now I am strong. Now the last point I want to address, this idea of comfort, comes from verse 4. And it says, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard this story before, but it's about a man that was drowned in a flood and he was stuck on his rooftop. And then he had such great faith that God would come and save him. And so a rowboat came by and the ro man in the robo says, oh, come, I'll get you to safety. And the man says, no, I have faith that God will save me. Carry on. Then um, another boat came, said the same thing. The man said the same thing. And then a helicopter came, and then the man still said the same thing. Eventually, that flood rose, and the man drowned. And in heaven, he asked God, God, I had faith that you would come and deliver me. Why did you not save me? And God says, well, I sent you a, two boats and a helicopter. What more do you want? For you see, for the past seven years, I was too proud and prideful to let anyone know, let alone sympathize with me. It's as if I had this fear that if I told someone, this bolt of judgment would come down and strike me. But the thought of God using a human vessel to comfort me never really crossed my mind. But in fact, I am reminded that God sent his son in flesh to die for me. 
as these past seven years went by, I came, I wore this mask, this mask of everything is all right. And maybe some of you guys are wearing it today. Just as Paul wrote this benediction, this idea, this statement of praising God for the comfort that he provides for you, I shared this with you with all my heart and what I've been through. That whatever you're going through, whatever difficulties, whatever calamities, whatever trials you are going through, no matter how big or small, know how unique or common it is. In verse 3 it says, he is the God of all comfort. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And they're going to lead us into a time of reflection. And I really want you to be bold. If you're struggling with something, if you're harboring something, if you're sweeping something under the rug just as I did, I want you to bring it before God. And if you want to take it a step further, I would encourage you to ask someone to pray for you. Maybe ask some of the church staff. Or maybe come find me. I would love to pray for you. Even in verse 11, Paul asked the Corinthians for prayer as well. And so just as a couple weeks ago, as Pastor Abe shared that we are called to be courageous, obedient, and bold, and just as how Pastor Sam shared that he knew, God knew Gideon would be a mighty warrior, and so that's where we could place our confidence in. And verse 10, it says, On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. That whatever you're going through, through Christ, be bold, be courageous, and know that he is the God of all comfort and that he will deliver you again. Let me pray.